Hello and welcome to the first, the inaugural episode of the Marist Fox Tracks podcast. My name is Pete Colazo. I'm honored and proud to be the coach at Marist College of Track and Cross Country for the past 32 years, in addition to being an alum, proud alum of the class of 1986. And I'm really excited about this new venture uh, called Fox Tracks, uh, where we're going to explore the history of cross country and track and field here at Marist College, dating back all the way to 1963 when we had the first cross country team. Fun fact, that's the year before I was born. And today we're gonna, for our first episode, we are gonna talk to two also proud alums from the class of 1968, Charles DeSogra and John Forbes. They, back in the winter, late winter of 1967, formed the Marist College track team, the first ever, with a 100-hour, that's right, 100-hour relay where a group of young men braved crazy conditions in early March. The weather in March of 1967 in Poughkeepsie is the same as it is now, crazy, topsy-turvy, hot, cold, snow, ice. And they formed the foundation of what is now 55 years later, uh, a thriving men's and women's track and cross country program. And I'm really glad to have Charles and John join me here on the inaugural Fox Tracks podcast. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Charles, yeah, yes, this, is, this is Charles and that's John. Charles, why don't you go first and uh, just introduce yourself and um, just start talking. Uh, well, I mean, my problem is to stop talking. Uh, but yes, uh, you, know, you know, this is just an amazing journey when you think about it. Um, we know both John and I, I think, uh, went to uh, went into Marist College as freshmen um, with the anticipation that there would be an outdoor track team waiting for us. Um, I think uh, I can know I can say I know about John. I certainly can speak for myself, but we had pretty good athletic careers in high school and other opportunities to go to track schools. Um, Marist was, uh, for what, whatever reason, our first choice. But um, we, the other appeal was that Marist had said that they were going to start an outdoor, indoor, outdoor track team, which meant that we would be able to continue our track careers beyond just cross country. So um, that's how we kind of rolled into Marist. Of course, when we got there, the story was a little different. Maybe I'll let John pick that one up. Hey, John, welcome. Hey, Charlie, how's it going? Good. Coach Pete, we are so proud of you and the boys and girls. I understand that over the weekend, the team did fairly well in the MAC uh, competition. Yeah, we did. Um, John, I really appreciate you bringing that up. We were down at the Armory uh, Track and Field Center, uh, which you guys may remember from back in your days. Oh, um, yeah. It's... Um, it's one of the most historic street, one sixty eight street. Yep, <laughs> buildings buildings more than a hundred years old. There's you probably still have splinters in your legs from the old wood track. We do. Now it's a it's a, it's a state of the art two hundred meter oval, mm -hmm. and uh, the Mac Indoor Championships were down there this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and um, you know, as you know, like the rest of the world, we were we were uh, disrupted by the pandemic. It was our mm -hmm. first track championship in two years. And it was pure joy to see uh, the men and women from not only Marist College, but all the other Mac schools um, out there running, jumping, throwing, 
And um, yeah, it was a good weekend for our team, um, for sure. We had some really great performances. Um, but again, it, it all started back with you guys laying the groundwork. So John, give us a little background on where you're from. Charles, you're from Staten Island, correct? You went to St. Peter's uh, Boys School, Boys High School, correct? Yep, that's correct. Okay, and John, where did you go to high school? I went to Stepanak in White Plains. And, uh, White Plains. What was your what was your track background? Um, <clears throat> I never really ran cross country. <clears throat> you know, it was I was essentially a half miler, thanks to Coach Krebs, who was uh, an alumni of Fordham. And uh, you know, it was a pretty good thing. I remember my first visit. I want to give a plug to Joe Olivet. Uh, when my father and mother went up to visit the campus, uh, we met Joe, or I met Joe, and we, we had a discussion about track and field. And just like Charlie, I was all excited to learn we had a good track team coming up here pretty soon. But it was kind of like pretty soon. We didn't know just when. And then he mentioned there was also going to be scholarships possibly involved. Charlie, you probably didn't meet brother joe but uh when he was done i was psyched i mean what, this was a good thing john when um when you were look i mean you know i've been around marist uh for 40 mm -hmm. years so i've seen i've seen you know the transformation from a you know from a small catholic college really to mm -hmm. a still small but much larger um you know physically and in a lot of different ways it, it's a it's a far different marist college uh, now than it was the when the one that I went to, and certainly when when you guys were here, it was mostly men. What um and <laughs> and very and very small. Well, you, no, very, no, not mostly men. It was all men. All guys. It was all men. Okay, yeah, there so, may be some questions there, but that was it. What, what um John? What what brought you? What what it, other than Brother Joe and the and the promise of of track? Um, what attracted, no pun intended, you to come up to Poughkeepsie and, uh, you know, leave White Plains and come to Marist College? Well, I had a couple offers from one from my owner and the other from uh, Manhattan. And I'm saying, Charlie, I'm, I'm sure Charlie had the same or more. The thing was, is we were living in an apartment in Tarrytown. I had uh, three sisters, my mother and father, and I was sleeping on the couch. So once I saw what Maris was charging and figured I might get a scholarship out of it, I figured I'm getting off the damn couch and I'm getting my own bed because we went over and took a look at the dorms. In those days, uh, it was just Leo. Uh, Champagne was in motion. It was Leo and Donnelly. Yep. And I think, uh, Charlie, I think it was probably the same with you. Mm -hmm. It was pretty exciting to be away from home. Uh, the other thing, they're all guys, which for me was great because I didn't have to spend a half hour waiting outside the bathroom to go to school or, <laughs> or to go to work like my father. So, uh, yeah, that that was pretty much it. And when I uh, came here, uh, just like Charlie, we found a lot of like minded kids. That's great. Uh, Charles, what was your um, what was your pathway to marriage? Was it similar to John's story? Well, so somewhat similar. I had I had a number of I used to I was a sprinter and a hurdler, and and I had a, a number of scholarships um, that were put forth. Manhattan was one of them. John, I could have yeah. uh, we could have we could have been together. We could have been the same team. <laughs> That's right. 
Um, the other three, my, my, my mom was, was involved in politics on Staten Island, and the other three, I was fortunately through our congressman, I got athletic appointments to uh, West Point and Annapolis, and also got into the Citadel. And so, you know, those were all schools, but they were military schools, and Manhattan yeah. said that I can go there if I studied business. But Maris said, you know, you can study science and, and be pre-med, and that's what mm -hmm. I wanted. So mm -hmm. I said, you know, I think it's, I, although I appreciate the track offers, um, I really wanted the academic track, uh, if you will. So, that, mm -hmm. so that, that appealed to me. And I had some buddies who were also on the track team with me who were also going to go to Marist. Um, the Kuffners, for example, Brendan Burke. And um, yeah. yeah, so we all came from St. Peter's High School, which was a kind of a track powerhouse. Uh, and and yeah. so we said, you know, let's we'll all go to Marist. And um, that that appealed to me. Um, it was my first time away from home also, John. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, I thought the campus looked great. And for some reason, small classes seemed to appeal to me. And that mm -hmm. was about that was about it. Okay, that's great, guys. So let's um, fast forward, you know, to to that hundred hour relay. Um, so, you know, it, it sounds like you both came to Marist with with somewhat high expectations athletically, and you were a little let down. I mean, it's probably not popular to say, but that's kind of what I'm hearing, right? Um, and um, but you 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 know you grabbed the baton by the horns. I guess that's a pretty bad pun, but yeah, right. You you took matters into your own hands with this relay. So um, so describe how you got up to that point. I mean, there was no track team, correct? I mean, there was just there was just a cross country team, and there um, was yeah. Go ahead. We had. We had started the cross country team <clears throat> was really only in its second year of existence by the time the class of 68 came. Uh, we took our leads from a fellow by the name of Paul Marr, later, later went on to become an FBI agent and who we stayed with when we visited him at, um, at Boston College. Uh, by 1965, uh, the school was large enough we thought we could put a team together and kevin mcgee sent a flyer around to organize um intramural track and field uh we did have some fascinating uh interest in it and, <laughs> and richie Rowland, being one of the fellas uh was one of our high jumpers and after he twisted his ankle jumping into a pit that wasn't properly <laughs> line <laughs> that was it so through the summer of 66 gogo and i decided to take a run at boston and john, i'll let him that, that's john gogol just to just that's to john fill yes. that blank yeah john gogol and um, he was, another another big historical figure in yeah. um oh in yeah well, sure. yeah, absolutely. yeah absolutely yeah, john john before you tell the story of of, of you and and gogol going to boston and it's a fascinating one I'm going to leave I, it to, to, to Johnny to tell you. Okay. But it, it was I just find it fascinating that you guys, prior to having even a track team, um, were high jumping. And you mentioned pole vault before we started recording, right? Without a track. Okay. So it's, yeah. <laughs> we, we still don't have a track at Marist College. And yeah, um, that's a we, shame. It, I appreciate you saying that, but but we have we we have athletes in these non-running events, not many of them, and it's challenging here in 2022 
you know, back in 1966, 1967, my gosh, what were you guys doing? How were you doing it? Um, so anyway, so, okay, we won't get, we won't get into the Boston story with, with Gogol, um, too much, but, uh, Charles, but, what was, what was your background in terms of track? Like you said you did sprints and hurdles, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, I think I remember I was in third place in New York city and, uh, in first place for a number of years, uh, yeah. on the Staten Island, Brooklyn, New Jersey area. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I had, you know, I had a lot of, some of my records have my school record, tied the school record, which may still be standing um, for 120 odd high hurdles. Uh, but anyway, I, the th story is this, you know, I came in and they, they said there was going to be a track team. And, you know, so I needed to stay in shape. I didn't want to run cross country, which I did do in high school. Um, so I joined Doc Goldman's soccer team. And, uh, you know, Doc Goldman lined the whole team up and asked everybody to run down the end of the field and I'd always come in first and I'm saying you know I should be running track you know and and I was anticipating there should be a track team uh, for the school but they said no we're not going to do it in the freshman year so we all went into the indoor outdoor season on that mm -hmm. first year no track team um, so I think everybody was relatively disappointed and we began to talk about starting a track club and not much mm -hmm. happened the first year, but I think that in 1966 um, is when, and 66, 67 is when we decided out of frustration to let's try and do something, which would have been our sophomore year, right? Um, uh, I think 64, 65. Well, we, we talked about it. <clears throat> that would have been our sophomore year, but it was really, Charlie, when you took charge in uh, would have been, uh, the fall of 66, after cross-country season, mm. you started pulling things together. Um, and that, that led into that. Led, so, you know, again, timeline wise, that school year, 1966 into 1967 is when the, mm. the, the wheels started getting in motion for right. this, this hundred hour <clears throat> relay. Now, before we get into the relay a little bit, John, You've mentioned a few times, Brother Joe Olivet. Can you? Can you? Uh, I've, I met him once briefly a couple of oh, years ago. Um, he was. Give me, give me some background on Brother Joe. What a wonderful guy, and I, and you know that too, Charlie. Yep. Joe was a Maris brother, and he was always there as a team supporter, as if he wanted to run. And I don't know what the story was with the Maris brothers, whether they could run or not, but he was always a solid guy. So he became the manager for the, and essentially the assistant coach for the cross country team and the same with the track team as we started going. Uh, with, uh, with Joe, <clears throat> we were bringing with him uh, the experience and some of the brothers behind him. So a lot of the brothers also had come from Malloy and places like that, and they were interested too in track. Our problem was in the first two years, I think, Charlie, and you can correct me, there just wasn't enough guys. We just didn't have enough people. The school was still very small. It wasn't until our junior year that I think we finally got, had grown enough that we could feel the team. Yeah, the class of 70 um, introduced some really good, talented runners um, Ooh, yeah. and um, that, that and field people. Yeah. And they just kind of showed up. Uh, and that was great. So we had mm -hmm. a good cluster of, of young men, freshman year, fresh out of high mm -hmm. school. They were in good physical shape because they'd been running in high school, doing mm -hmm. field. 
And then we had the 69, class of 69, sophomore year, another frustrated group along with John and I and John, John Gogol. And we, you know, so this was a critical mass. And we said, you know, we got enough here to put a track and field team together. And, um, and that's, that's really why it got launched in the fall of 66, because uh, we had enough people to do this. So, so Charles, why why a hundred hour relay? Like, um, you know, we've talked we've talked a lot about it, you know, in various uh, calls, um, a lot of emails with a lot of great historical stuff. John, you sent me a um, you know, a, a thumb drive last year that just a treasure trove of information. You know, this mm-hmm. is a you know, this is a podcast we can't we can't you know can't summarize all of it, but, but why a relay? Why a hundred hour relay? Was that a thing back then? What, what, what was, what's the significance of that? Uh, either one of you guys address that. please. Well, that, that was our resident con- conservative pundit, Bill Finney. We used to all get together. Gogo and I were roommates, John Gogo and I, and uh, it was just a hoot. We'd have everybody stopping by. And then uh, Finney be sitting there reading his, uh, in the day, an early conservative magazine, National Review. And then he's listening to all this stuff about what you're going to do. He says, you ain't nothing unless you set a world record. So we happen to have a Guinness Book of Record. And that's what we came up with, a 100-hour relay. Um, we kicked around with the different things, um, how many people should be on it. <laughs> we decided 10 and then it ended up being 12 in case something happened. And as it worked out, we had three guys injured, but setting yeah. the thing up was, was a kick. Uh, but there's one more starting point. I think that's important is that myself and uh, I think it was John Gogol's with me. We went down to find a coach in Goshen at St. Uh, at uh, I think Cardinal Hurley's uh, school down there. And it was a fellow that used to coach down at Zavarian High School. And he was excellent. So we came back and told Doc Goldman about that. And a poor guy went bats. And I could just see it because I'm thinking we need a coach. And he's thinking, I don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, Goldman was the athletic director at the time. Yes. Yep. No, I, very, I, knew, I knew Doc. Very I knew suspicious well. of it. Yeah. He was very yeah. suspicious of this whole thing because, you know, yep. Track teams require equipment. It requires coaching. <laughs> it requires money. And, you know, and I think the school was a little bit on the lean side in the athletic department to take on a, a varsity track team. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. And um, and, and uh, you know, without a track, I mean, here it is, you know, 55 years later. You know, we don't have home games. Right. Um, you know, basketball right. team. Basketball team had a home game yesterday afternoon. Women's women's basketball has a um, you know home game on on Thursday afternoon as we record this Thursday morning. And you know, track and field cross country we don't have home games. I'm doing air quotes, right? We're always on buses and vans going places. So it, you know, we're we're a we're a drain on you know we we're an operational drain. Um, but so with this relay, okay, I'm trying to envision 19th fall. Excuse me. March of 1967, Marist College campus. Where did you set up this course and how long was it? Okay, a cu- couple of things. Yeah. We, we kicked it around as a group and, do, and the relay idea evolved from that. Um, but the, the real point was we wanted to bring attention to Marist College. 
um, that we were starting a track team. And the reason is this. We all knew because of the schools we came from, high schools we came from, that there was a lot of track um, enthusiasm, particularly oh. among Catholic schools in the, in the New York City area. And That's we still the could, case, you know, Charlie. Yeah, still if the we case, could, yeah. Yeah, if we could make Marist known to those young runners, we'd be able, because we saw the, the group of people that came in, the class of 70, we can get some more people to come into the school. That would be great. We just needed to let people know that we had a track team. So it really was an event to draw attention to Marist College. And it had to be something that would get into the press and would, you know, give us a name um, that would draw the attention of both coaches and, and students um, to come into Marist College. Runner. Yep. Um, and I, again, with the archival information you guys have shared with me, uh, there, there's so much of that. There was, um, mm -hmm. you know, Poughkeepsie Journal, Staten Island Advance, um, you know, uh, John, you had mentioned, you know, mm -hmm. Howard Costell. Um, a lot yeah. of our young listeners probably won't even get these references. You know, Cousin Brucey Morrow yeah. in, in, in New York City on the radio. Older listeners will will be nodding Um nodding not understanding what we're talking about but it really it really captured people's imaginations um so so what was it like i mean yes it was it was cold it was snowy what was the loop guys was it a mile loop what, i mean i i actually i mean i didn't have time it, to go back and read a lot of the articles before this what was the loop like pete it yeah. was an in-your-face loop we put it right in front of uh uh the the loop that goes around between Donnelly and the dorm buildings. Yeah. Everybody was forced to see us. Now we picked uh, the long weekend. Uh, and then from then, and, and then we started, but I need to back up a bit because we talked about Joe Olivet. Joe Olivet wrote an article in the uh, circle, which was the student newspaper at the time, complaining about track team. <laughs> track team student coach leads track team <laughs> on to victory and that was charlie mm -hmm. and two weeks later the next one out is say len olsen to coach maris track team so things i can't recall was that len olsen uh, had his first pa uh, practice as coach of maris track the day before we started the marathon. And I think that was wonderful. And we owe it all to Joe Olivet and his piece, because I'm sure what Doc Goldman was scared to death about is having us go out there and possibly in debt the school <laughs> by buying equipment and the rest of the stuff. Well, I, th I think Len volunteered initially. I, I don't think we were officially paying anybody anything. Yeah, now that could be. Yeah. Uh, so he, he just got, it, I mean, the whole idea was that we were bringing guy. attention to the school. And I think we, we drew Len Olson in, into that at the same time and for a variety of reasons. And that was, that was great. But as far as the oval goes, I mean, I remember guys out there with a measuring tape, we yeah. measured the distance around the oval because we wanted to set a record. So we had guys out there with a measuring tape and chalk and they lay out you know, 25 foot tape. So we get 25 feet at a time and, you know, <laughs> go all the way around the loop till we had the exact distance down. It was very, very scientific. And so we knew that if we were going to run a hundred hour uh, marathon and be going around that loop, 
each runner one hour at a time that we wanted to track how many miles we'd be able to cover. And, um, and so we tried to make it as a official as possible because like Finney said, you know, we want to get into the, the Guinness world book of records. I mean, we, you know, did we have witnesses? Of course we had hundreds of witnesses, but I don't well, know if officially would get into the, the Guinness world book of records, but yeah, the, the marathon idea was just showed the grit of the guys and their determination um, their desire to um, to demonstrate that we had talent and that um, you know we wanted to launch a team. That's awesome. And uh, what what how many miles did did uh, you guys all um, accomplish? Like what what was the grand total for the hundred hours? And and again, talk a little bit about the the conditions because I mean it was it was snowy and icy, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, I've got the exact number for here. We know uh, it was. 738.4 miles that was that um a balmy 40 degrees down to 24 degrees yeah, and, no. and we started off in good weather it was nice and cold and crisp and 40 uh and then it just got colder and more miserable and then there was a blizzard and you yes. know we had three days of snow uh in the midst of this and you know guys showed up with shovels to keep the course clear uh, and, um, even the city of Poughkeepsie sent one of their trucks out to, to put, to put, uh, salt, um, down on, on the path uh, to help us. Uh, it was a real blast. Uh, but a lot of people, uh, you know, contributed and it was dangerous, uh, because even though it was snow at night, the, the path turned to ice. And mm -hmm. so we had guys trying to run, you know, for an hour on a surface that was in darkness and uh, with wind um, and uh, and literally ice on the track. Um, and I think uh, a couple of guys uh, got injured in the process. Yeah, John, how many miles did you run? Do you know your exact total? Because you were- No. You were one of, no. no. Well, yeah, I know no. yours. I got it right here, man. It's, you ran 102.1 miles, John. That's, that's, that is crazy. That's a lot. Well, that's we only had nine guys, Pete. Right. <laughs> in the end. So we had to pick up some. some but, but, but look at guys, here it is. It's 55 years later, right? Almost, almost to the day. And you guys have vivid memories of this. So, um, I mean, a, as an alum and as a longtime coach, I'm, I'm grateful and proud of what you guys did. It's really, it, I mean, it's just really cool. And um, so, um, you know, all these details about, you know, plows coming and, and running through blizzards. What was it like in the middle of the night, John? Like, you know, doing the, or, and, and Charles, what, what was that like, you know, three in the morning, you know, road turning to ice, nobody's out there, maybe, maybe they were, well, I don't know. What was it like? Well, for me, I found it uh, <laughs> almost restful in a way because you're out there, there weren't too many people around, but there were people around. Like uh, guys from the dorm, my friend uh, John Lynch would come along and jog next to me. I could always count on Charlie being up there, sleepless, all-nighter after all-nighter, making sure that if something happened, there'd be someone there to drag your bones off, <laughs> off the course <laughs> and get an EMT in. Um, it was just, I thought, a wonderful um, pinnacle of, I think, uh school spirit if you want to call it that everybody was out there according to the newspapers we had 400 people show up to cheer us on including the mayor of poughkeepsie and billy dortis and uh mr olson 
Yep. That was a find of a find. Right. And I mean, you, you know, yeah. you know, Charles, you you um you brought up pretty um pretty detailed about you know the, the class you guys are both 1968 class of 1968, mm -hmm. but um after you came in a lot of really the foundation of the program, and then you throw right. in, you know, you throw in Len Olson, um, who who was a you know legendary figure in our sport, um, has sadly passed. I, I was able to meet him a few years ago, uh, several years ago with Peter Van Aken, um, mm -hmm. who still has our hammer record, uh, school record. Mm -hmm. He was uh, Len was his coach back in the in the mid to late seventies. Mm -hmm. Peter um, qualified for uh, Division two nationals in the um, in the hammer throw. I'm digressing, but the you know so the the foundation of that the 70s and then rich stevens coming in to coach some really good cross-country teams mm -hmm. um really started with that relay right because you launched it and then and mm -hmm. then len came in and then they actually had a team we actually had a team and you guys really you you planted the seed but you didn't really see the tree grow until you, till after you graduated. So what was that like? Did you stay, did you, did you follow the program closely in those early years in the seventies? Oh, uh, well, we had <laughs> in the early seventies, we were in other parts of the world, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I think it's important if you were to listen to that uh, thing in NPR, how I built this, mm -hmm. I think you have to look at Charlie is the one who built the team. We had tried several times to bring things together, but Charlie was the one that got in, got his hands dirty, pulled stuff together that was off the track. John and I could run. Um, the new kids who were coming in were providing field teams. There's a kid by the name of Dell who just was incredible as far as um, uh, a javelin thrower, but he accredits most of his success in the early days, the first team, uh, to the tutelage of Len Olson. Mm -hmm. And as we can't say enough about him, but what we can say, he was offered a contract with the Cincinnati Reds to play baseball. I didn't, didn't know that. Yeah. What a fascinating man. Turned it down, went to CCNY, finish up down there, and then he comes out and he becomes he moves into the field area and then he's an Olympic contender. And I think he also threw in the Olympics. Yes. Uh, both the pen, pentathlon and the um, decathlon. And he kept so, meticulous records. Um, Peter, who I referenced before, we went out to lunch, um, mm -hmm. myself, Peter and, and Len. And Len gave me a big, um, like, you know, just big uh, crate of, unbelievably meticulous records of practices meets and stuff like that now john you made reference to being all over the world let's talk i mean you know we don't have we don't have all day to talk about the, the 55 years that have transpired since you you no. guys have both graduated but when you say all, all around the world uh give us a little insight as to where you were and what you were doing well i went both charlie and i went in the same direction eventually uh, I ended up going uh, like most of us did in the class of 68. Uh, we went into the Army or the Marines. We had the Maris Marines, good friends of ours who were runners as well, graduating. And then from there uh, to Vietnam, eventually bounced around the States, I ended up with a mobile advisory team. Um, 
and then actually uh, ran into several of my Marist friends over there. When I'm going to Zeon for advisory school, I cut through a, a bunch of trees and end up on looking into a pool and I see this big dude as my freshman year roommate, Andy Drozd. He was with the big red one. They just come back out of Cambodia and he was going home and I was going over. On the way there, I meet John Lynch in R&R down in Australia in a place called the Red Garter. Who would think? And on the yeah. way home, I ran into Timmy Fitzgerald. So Marist was always there. Yeah, and, and went, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, uh, John, you mentioned that, you know, and back in the late 60s, early 70s, Marist was still a, really in its infancy. And yet yeah. you, have, you have Marist all over the world. And now, obviously, you know, several decades later, we have connections literally all over the world. We have a, we have yeah. a campus in Italy, right? So, Charles, what was your post-collegiate pathway, just briefly? Um, you, you know, you said it was a little, a little different than John's, I think. John, yeah, so uh, it's yeah. a little different. Um, I was, um, I was uh, supposed to go to medical school and uh, got in and uh, decided not to uh, go. Um, instead, um, uh, instead, I went into the Peace Corps, which is a different path, and mm -hmm. um, was, um, spent a summer at the University of Hawaii. Um, training for that, and then went to Thailand for additional work. I worked as an entomologist in a malaria eradication program in Thailand and Malaysia, um, then did school health for a while. So I, I, I spent about four and a half years living in Malaysia, speaking Malay and, and two dialects of Chinese and working in health programs. Um, and then I traveled uh, after that. But I have to say, while my buddies were in Vietnam, um, I hitchhiked in around Southeast Asia and rode a motorcycle through Thailand and uh, hitchhiked into uh, took to Cambodia and into Upper Laos. And in fact, uh, I Ooh. was actually sleeping in a hostel in Luang Prabang in northern Laos while B-52s were bombing the plane of jars, making my my uh, my bed shake in the middle of the night. So I took a different route and. Uh, you know, never, um, you know, and, and spent some time in Southeast Asia at, at the same time, but in a different path and a different capacity. Okay. Uh, thank you both for that. That Those are, um, those are remarkable stories and remarkable memories from, um, you know, really an indelible time in our nation's history. I mean, you guys are both considered baby boomers, correct? Absolutely. So, so, yes, so, so you, um, the tip of the spear. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, forty six, so, right? Um, and I think I think technically I'm at the very end, born in nineteen sixty four. But your your you know early adulthood experiences are are far different um, than than the the you know the the later generations like us. You know, and just to transition, you know, we're jumping around in terms of eras here. But um, I really want to mention. With, with great gratitude that both of you guys have created endowed scholarships in your names mm -hmm. while you're still alive, not being a wise guy, but that's really significant toward, <laughs> the toward the betterment of the future of track and cross country at Marist College. So first off, from the bottom of my heart, and I speak for the entire college, we thank you both for that gift that we'll give in perpetuity so that's wonderful. Again, thank you. So just talk about 
why and how that all came about. Um, you're both, you both have scholarships. Well, we're announcing it right now. We'll have scholarships in your name. So talk about how that all came about and what you would like to see of the scholarships and really the future of the college and, and our, our program. So um, Charles, why don't you go first? Oh, okay. Uh, I'll just say that this is a scholarship I didn't get. So I thought that I would leave that for someone else to have. And that was pretty much my motivation. Um, I thought that um, since we had initiated the track team, I wanted to give uh, future athletes coming into Marist and give you, Coach Pete, give you the opportunity to pick the creme de la creme to round out your team and uh, have something to offer them. It seemed to me like that, that was a um, kind of a fitting uh, legacy um, overall. So, so yeah, so I, I wanted to, the scholarship I never got, I wanted to be there for other kids, young men and women into the future. That's awesome. That's the, the classic pay it forward story. Um, John, uh, your turn. Yeah, well, <clears throat> the scholarship is in the name of Frank and Sally Howell Forbes. They're my parents. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have been embarrassed. I'm sure Charlie feels the same about his parents. Uh, they were Irish immigrants, never had very much money. Uh, my father worked in General Motors and every Friday he put the paycheck down on the, on the uh, refrigerator. My mother was a financial genius and parsed everything out, made things work. So when we were coming up uh, to visit, as I mentioned earlier, we talked to Brother Joe and he mentioned scholarships. And, and just like Charlie, we figured after 50, almost 55 years, <laughs> it's about time. We had some track scholarships. So I would like the scholarship to focus on first or second generation um, immigrants. And then from there on, uh, anybody who really needs it. Uh, we realize, at least I realize, it, it's not going to pay a full ride. But it will be covering shoes, books, and a few other things that we didn't have or very few of us had at the time uh, in the early days of the class of 68. Yep, I appreciate I appreciate that, John. And I, I I was able to read some of the wording, the back and forth wording of the actual mm -hmm. endowed scholarships. And one of the things that really uh, struck me, um, struck a chord with me, was the focus that you guys want. And I'll I'll do my best. We'll do our best to to adhere to it on strong academics. Obviously, we want to better our track program. We want to get better men and women in here that are going to, you know, help us compete well at MAC championships and, and other championships. But you really want us to attract great students, which is what is the core value of our core values of not only our track program, but uh, the college in general. So I really appreciate that. I just wanted to also mention we have another endowed scholarship within our program, uh, the Gregory J. Salamone Memorial Scholarship that was is named after one of my former athletes, one of our former athletes, Greg Salamone, uh, class of 2001, who passed away in 2014 of cancer, well too young at age 35. And his parents created the endowed scholarship in his name with the specific, 
specific to everything that Greg embodied, which was being a, a top-notch student, which he was, uh, a gritty championship caliber distance runner. He graduated. When he graduated, he had the 3,000 steeplechase and 10,000 meter school records. And he also was one of the best cross-country runners in our school history, still has some of the top times at Van Corland Park in school history. So I really appreciate that that element of it is in there. So, you know, you guys have been, you know, away from Marist for a long time, but you're still connected to Marist College. I know you talk, you both talked to Joan quite a bit, Joan Gambeski in advancement, mm -hmm. and she's kept you connected. What are your feelings on modern day Marist College? Um, you know, you, you guys were up here several years ago for your 50th. And um, we're going to get you guys back whenever, whenever we can for a big reunion to celebrate this relay with the original baton and all that stuff. So talk a little bit about your, your connection to Marist College circa 2022. Hmm. Okay, I, I'll, I'll start a little bit with that. Yeah. I haven't had much connection with Marist for a, a long time. Um, and that uh, just my life took me in all sorts of directions. And Marist was just kind of out there. And um, I didn't really pay too much attention to it until uh, I guess I, I guess maybe four or five years ago. And, um, and then um, I started to um, remember track and, and I remember mentioning the relay to Danny Kuffner, who is a little more active in the college. And um, so that kind of piqued my, my, my interest in, in the school. When I came back for the 50th, I actually came back another time for a kind of a mini reunion with some friends. Mm -hmm. And I was very impressed with um, um, the, 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 the infrastructure that was built out and, uh, and so on, and the expansion of programs. Um, and, and that was it. And, and, and then again, I, uh, for the 50th reunion, I guess the thing that impressed me most about Maris that kind of really spurred my renewed interest is, um, is the diversity of the campus, um, the uh, kind of the quality of the education. And, um, you know, it, there's an element that's still fundamentally the DNA of Marist College that John and I remember is still there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I think that, that I appreciated that. It's a strong academics and, uh, and a good sense of values. Um, these were all uh, important features that, that I could recognize in the school that made me say, hey, you know, um, Maris should be proud of itself. Thank you, Charles. Uh, John, uh, would you like to speak to that or any other, um, you know, connections that you have currently with the college? Yeah, Pete, I'll tell you, <clears throat> first, I had traveled a lot like Charlie, so I didn't get back quite that often. But coming back for the 50th was kind of a wake-up call. I think Charlie and I met there. I mean, uh, to see the old guys back on campus and to see light years uh, differences in the way the campus is laid out today as to the way it was laid out uh, when we went to school. So I really think that the administration in the school has done wonderful things. And as Charlie points out, it seemed to be the same, same kind of regular people that we thought we were in the day. Um, seemed to be very smart, which is helpful, but they hang out with one another. 
And I think that was one of the big benefits of uh, Marist in, in our day. There were challenges. Everybody was going to do something to make things happen. I hope that's continuing today, and it seems to be. I was overwhelmed to turn on the radio and listen to the, uh, the guys from the public opinion poll of Marist. I got to walk through and met an Irishman, McCaughey, uh, talking about finance and business. And my background uh, in, in a real world job was a customer special agent uh, tracking money laundering. So to see an education like that come some young guy's way or young girl's way to provide for former you know, feds or former compliance people or people that will eventually make policy for the rest of us. I think that's wonderful. In the day, uh, we had, uh, you know, um, Jack Kelly, who was uh, in the business department. I kind of went into that that side after realizing that I need to get a job when I get out. And then uh, I think it was Mr. Griffin was there on finance. All those things were helpful to me later, even though I never thought they were going to be. And that's what I wish for the kids today. Have um, an opportunity to do that and to work together. Um, I really appreciate you saying that, John. Um, we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping up episode number one here of Marist Fox Tracks: The History of Track and Field. Um, I've been accused, and I think you guys have on occasion, of being able to drag a five minute story out to fifteen minutes. So <laughs> I think, um, uh, you know, the, the clock ticking, so we, we want we want to wrap this down, wrap this up. But I think we um, I think we covered a lot of ground here. There's obviously a lot more to cover um not only from the 1960s but you know right through all the decades and yeah. it's our goal eventually is to do that with this podcast um and i hopefully this is a good start hopefully some of our alums will like it give us some ideas but i really appreciate you guys taking a good chunk out of your day to talk um once again thank you for your ongoing support of not only the college but the track and cross country program and i look forward to seeing you guys on campus either in the fall or whenever whenever it works out so thank you so much uh, any parting words before we um before we end the call yeah thank you pete for keeping all those kids out there running and they had two of them that uh, made the olympic trials right right the the race walkers this past yeah, year man. Uh, last year yeah yeah that was that was a lot of fun so um, we could yeah, use them, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Again, Charles, any any last words for you before? Yeah, we, uh, I think we I think you're I think you and the college you're doing a great job, Pete. Um, I'm really proud of the track team, uh, track and field. Um, I have to tell you that um, I really think that Maris needs to buckle down on getting itself a track, um, yes. and that that has to be an objective. And we have a lot of track alumni out there that um, really should should step up um, uh, through their private companies, their own pockets, whatever it takes. But uh, Maris needs a track so that its team could rise to another level in intercollegiate sports. Yeah. I appreciate that, uh, both of you guys. And um, again, just to wrap this up, we do have a, um, a, a long and proud history of track and cross country at Marist College. And we hope to bring that about in future episodes of this podcast, Fox Tracks. And I'm really glad to have started it with you guys. So thanks again, and we'll see you guys soon. Thank you, Pete. Thank you right, very much, Pete. Yep, bye. See you, Charlie.
Yep. So long, John. All right.